0: Good afternoon everyone um we have a special edition of breaking into cybersecurity with some amazing folks um got introduced to this program from some connections you got to love the cybersecurity industry and networking that's what it's all about um they introduced me to project pisces and as soon as i heard about this project i really did want to share this with everyone so today We're gonna introduce Champagne and Mike um, to talk about Project Pisces and how it's helping um, improve cybersecurity overall. So first let's bring Mr. Mike on and then Champagne. Good afternoon, folks. How are you doing?
1: Good,
2: good. Doing well, doing well.
0: Perfect. So um, Mike, you're you're the brainchild behind this. Um, Explain to our audience what Project Pisces is and um, what was the inspiration behind it?
1: Uh sure. Um first of all, happy to be here. It's nice to see you guys. Um the, so the inspiration behind it was this. Uh, so I've held a lot of roles in, you know, cyber security before it was cybersecurity. Um and for at, kind of at the top of the career, I was the managing consultant for Verisign Global Security Consulting. And in that capacity, you know, I was with a lot of Fortune corporations. Um and, and then my daughter was born. And uh, if you're going to be dad, you can't go to work on an airplane anymore. So I took a job as the CISO of the city of Seattle. And when I got there, I saw that local government is doing these incredibly critical things for us, right? They make your toilet flush. They make your water drinkable. You know, make sure the cops get to your house on time. And IT holds all that up. And what I saw was local government, despite the criticality, was buying firewalls and calling it good. Well, it's not good. You need to monitor your networks. And I came from a background where monitoring was a very important thing. So um, when I got a bunch of grant money and started a project we called Prism at the time, uh, which turned out to be incredibly bad branding after Ed Snowden rolled over on the NSA, but set that aside. Um, And that was a regional monitoring project. So Mm -hmm. at one time, we were monitoring nine cities and counties, six maritime ports on Puget Sound, couple of energy utilities, a hospital, and it was great. Got a letter from Alejandro Mayorkas, who was then the Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, Um, and then I ran screaming out of government and started the company. Uh, So what we did was we brought back that project, and now it's called Pisces, and we do the same thing with it. We do free security monitoring for down-market cities and counties, local governments, maritime ports, things like that. Uh, In return for Collecting that information off the networks and it's metadata, we can't read email, we can't do things like that, and making that data as well as IDS alerts available to now five universities that are teaching uh, all the same curriculum to people to how to be a security analyst. And so, yeah, they get a university degree and maybe a certification, but they are sitting in front of live fire against critical infrastructure in their state. Mm-hmm. um and so when they roll off the assembly line they have operational experience and they've been trained on our stack so they make perfect folks to come to work here um they're in demand you know uh, this 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 role is number 10 on the list of the top fastest growing jobs according to the bureau of labor statistics uh and the program's working out well we were partnered with homeland security and pacific Northwest national lab um and we we're moving into a three-state expansion of the project
0: Let's take a step back because, I mean, I I have some background in this, um, Mm -hmm. but I don't think our audience might. um, Maybe they they hadn't had the time to research the article or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. uh, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the goal behind this is, like you said, to collect that metadata uh, from downstream cities, uh, um, maritime ports, things like that, Mm -hmm. feed that into a SOC. Ran by university students, where they're going to be the tier one um, SOC analysts. Is is that what is that how it's set up?
1: Essentially, that's how it is. So, so the the monitoring stack mm-hmm. uh, is at the Washington State Academic Cyber Range, which is a facility that is made available to students in every scholastic institution in the state. Um, so the uh, you know do they function as tier one analyst. I'd say that's accurate. Um, but remember that, um, there are times when there are no students there, there is Mm -hmm. no coverage by student analysts. And so the Pisces corporation, the Pisces organization also provides, uh, some analyst oversight to fill in the gaps for student outages.
0: Okay. Okay. And with regards to the metadata that's provided, Mm -hmm. um, Does that influence any other aspects of um, their education, their overview? Is it used, for example, in um, training IR folks for? the the types of detections to look for and how to program those detections. Um, How else is the data used?
1: Yeah. Very good question. So, so the data, the metadata, source, address, destination, address, port, protocol, flags, timestamp, it's network flows, Mm -hmm. right. Along with IDS alerts. And so this is not a rich set of data, like a commercial, like, you know, like our commercial product. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Um, the data can be used for not only uh, when you get an alert from IDS, you can search the data, what happened five minutes before, what happened five minutes after, what other behavior can we see here, Uh, but also the data lend itself very well to hunting. So we get indicators of compromise from a number of sources, and students and the Pisces analyst can take that information, and usually it's don't talk to this domain, it's been you know, implicated in this particular campaign, et cetera. And we can search records for any contact with places like that and then report that. So there's also a function that is the community liaison um, and that is the reporting function so that you know we can communicate with our monitor jurisdictions and let them know, we saw this thing, go check it out.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the, the questions from one of our viewers, and he corrected himself, so I'm going to finish it off for for them, is do the students um, get course credit from this experience as being part of their course?
1: Yes, uh, very good question. So this is a course. And so this course fits into existing cybersecurity degree programs. Today, it's only a single course. There's another one under development that is SOC operations. So that has to do more with Uh, uh, More deeply investigating things, getting things like malware samples and exploding those in a sandbox, Uh, you know, uh, handling shift change uh, and how you communicate to the incoming shift exactly what's in progress right now. That course is underway. And I'll cap that by saying there are three pillars to the Pisces project. So it's infrastructure protection for these downmarket cities, counties, ports, things like this. <laughs> Clearly, we need that. They can't afford anything. They can't hire people. You know, they still make your toilet flush. <laughs> number two is workforce development, uh, and this is why Homeland Security is involved because they're tasked with reducing the number of open positions in cybersecurity, and they found this program to be effective at that. And then the third one is research. So, in your question, you know, how can the data be used? Graduate research is now being spun up so that we can do things like develop new detection analytics and then fold those back in so that now that's available to all the universities that are teaching the Pisces curriculum.
0: Absolutely amazing. Um, so one of the, the guests we have on Sh- uh, Champagne, um, we're going to pivot over to him, Mike, and then we'll, we'll pivot back and forth and have questions uh, for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Champagne, what got you uh, initially interested in cybersecurity?
2: Um, I went to, um, a STEM based high school out of Tequila. Um, it was a raised back aviation high school and it was like my first like big, like grasp and big deep dive into science, technology, engineering, mathematics type of like education. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was there our like school, like it dude, because we had our laptops and stuff like that. And I used to hang out with him and skip, periods by hanging out with him in his office and um I kind of like built this friendship with him right uh Anthony McLaughlin and he just sort of just like took me underneath his wing right and I remember the day I came to school and I was like man I really want iTunes and I went through and used basically an easy access uh exploit to go ahead and change uh our sticky keys uh application to be a command prompt to then open it and, and basically change the password to admin um on the actual local computer so that way i was able to get admin access and then download itunes and listen to music while i was at school and i remember how angry he was with me he's like i'm not going to tell anyone he's like but don't do it again right and it's like so that's where like i kind of got like my first like brush it's like hey like cybersecurity is like one of those cool things where it's like there's always going to be exploits there's always going to be vulnerabilities and there's always going to be people like trying to pry in Right. And I want to do things that you're not supposed to do. Right. And it's like one of those things like growing up. Right. My dad was like, hey, it's only illegal if you get caught. Right. And then my IT dude told me it's only illegal if you don't have a degree. So I went to Central Washington University, got a degree in IT and was um Had a mentor along the way. Um, Big mentors were Dr. Bob Hickey. He was outside of the ITM department, but he definitely kept me on the straight and narrow and helped me out in situations where I wasn't able to help myself out. And then a major influence was uh, Deb Wells. Amazing person. Amazing individual. Uh, She helped us with the Pyke program. She taught the cybersecurity capstone which is our Pisces class. So this is like, for our credits, our graduation requirement, because okay. in the ITAM uh, department, you have basic like specializations. In the cybersecurity specialization, you take a cybersecurity capstone, and it was the Pisces class. Okay. And that's sort of like how I got into cybersecurity. Um, I remember before I even got hired on at uh, Critical Insight, uh, I had a conversation with MKH, and he basically broke down everything I didn't know everything I need to learn, and then what I need to do to end up getting a job at Critical Insight. And so basically just following that blueprint and even like knowing someone that worked at Critical Insight outside of the school, because I used to be a bartender and he used to come in all the time talking to him, kind of stuff to learn, stuff to kind of focus on. And that way I was able to, when I got the interview, I was able to kind of hone in on certain things because I kind of knew the ins and outs and understanding what i need to know and what i need to learn so i learned it and was able to apply it in my interview and stuff like that so that's kind of the overarching theme of getting into cybersecurity and ending up where i am right now
0: nice nice so let's let's recall back to your pisces class your capstone class um Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that it focused on that it taught you that you might not have seen anywhere else or um you felt like wow this was this, this is new and novel for you.
2: Um, raw data. So basically, like, um, I, I took a couple classes where it's, like, I didn't have the most technical background, right, as much as I wanted to have a technical background. Um, excuse me. But um, basically, uh, the class allows you to look at, like, the raw data like MKH was talking about and kind of, like, start to be able to dissect it, right? It's, like, when you're in a classroom setting, when you're in a sandbox, when you're in a controlled environment, right, it doesn't feel scary, right? You're like, oh, this is cool, right? There's like like glitz and glamour and like lights everywhere. Like it's super, super fun, right? And you're like, oh, sweet. I just broke down like 14 computers real quick, right? This With the simulated malware, it's funny, right? But when you're on like the line and you're looking at governmental data, right? You're like, you're looking in like, hey, I know that city. Hey, I'm from that city, right? You're like, this is going on in their network. You kind of like take it personal and- <laughs> I remember like there was a ticket I did, right? Where I was looking at like an investigation. I can't remember what the exploit was, but I felt super great, right? When MKH came in on the ticket, and I was like, oh, we should probably send this to the client. And it's like, it kind of gives you like a badge of confidence. You're like, look at me, right? Like a student, like right? I found something. And so it's like, it's building the confidence, right? To be, be an analyst, right? You, you get the confidence, you get the playground to trial, error, fail, and succeed. And it's like, it's kind of like those wood chips on like the ground, right? Like you can fall and not really hurt yourself, right? In this classroom. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Something that I wasn't prepared for, right? Was looking at how we ingested data, right? Like looking at how like our collectors work, looking how like certain programs that we use to facilitate the data and kind of organize it in a way that's like visually like accepting because we can look at all this stuff through a Linux command line and it is not pretty. It's not. It is TCP dumps and grepping and it is ugly, right? But it gets the job done. And so what we were able to learn was how to work on like the GUI interface and like kind of absorb that and trying to see the graphs, the linear, the visualizations, and stuff like that. And so those type of tools were very, very new, very complicated and hurt my head the first time I looked at it for a couple of weeks. But then after the 10 weeks of being in the quarter, right, I'm able to navigate through the programs. And then as soon as I get a job, it's not like the tools immediately change, right? We're using the same tool. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's like oh, sweet. I learned how to use a hammer. And then guess what? The hammer stayed the hammer, right? It's not like you pick up a hammer and all of a sudden it becomes a drill. You're like, this is way different than what I use. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's the real world experience because like a lot of times in college, I feel like we're always behind, especially in IT. Right. Because that's one of the few fields. It's always changing. Right. It's like you have to be in the know. You need to know what's going on. Right. We have so many exploits that are always happening and we need to constantly be ahead. And right. Um, And so it's basically um, finding something that's real world experience and then that's applicable as soon as you get out of school right? Especially if you're able to get on or work with a company that's willing to work with a college, like doing that Pisces program severely benefited me and was single-handedly the most beneficial factor from college and directly had a helping hand in my current employment.
0: Uh, M- MKH, when, when it came to um, creating the, this program, this partnership, um Tell me about what you went through to do this, because I know oftentimes (laughs) trying to change or um, grow anything in academia, A, could take a long time, uh, Mm -hmm. and B, everyone hates change. So what was your process going through this to get this program up and going?
1: That is really a good question, because it took a lot of runs to get it to this point. So, So first of all, figuring out how grant money works, what you can and cannot do with grant money and how to pull those levers to actually get done what you want to get done um, is uh, an an art form in itself. And I had some mentors at the city of Seattle that helped navigate all that. They were absolute black belts in, you know, how to pull the levers of government. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was important to get it off the ground. Um, After that, when we were trying to take our regional monitoring system and uh, um, and 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 bolt that on to you know the state schools, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, you know we took a couple of runs at that, and we we first went um, through the state. I was actually brought on as a policy advisor in the office of CIO for Washington State, really to put the state's fingerprints on the project. And you know the state is an aircraft carrier, and it is very difficult to make it turn quickly. And we were working with the University of Washington, which is also a gigantic organization, you know, which requires a lot of consensus before anything happens. And what we found was uh, we're more successful if we go to smaller schools, state universities, things like that, and not the giant research institutions. Uh, so that, w- that was a real lesson learned. Um, also, um, partnering with uh, Pacific Northwest National Lab Uh, And having them, you know, assist us in the development of a sustainability model, because it it can't live on grant money. Grant money is just it's 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 really, really got a lot of overhead to using grant money to get anything done. So, you know, in looking at sustainability models, how are we going to do this to make sure that this is going to be there? And so, you know, we've landed on a few things. This is this is uh, the job of Pacific Northwest National Lab in working with us. And so the way that it's, uh, uh kind of started to, to formulate, um, as a, you know, a long-term, you know, many year kind of project is that the, uh, the funding and the resources and the support from the department of Homeland Security CISA, um, can be used. As we say, we're going to do a three state expansion. Um, that can, uh, integrate a handful of local governments and one or two universities in a state and once that has been demonstrated and the state sees that these people are being hired they're being employed in place and that's adding to the tax base of the state we're going to give the state the option of taking over support for it because there's break fix required we got to add capacity provisioning and deprovisioning students all has to be done centrally so there's You know, there's a large body of work that goes with this. Um, And so, you know, the lessons learned along the way over the last 10 years, it's taken 10 years to get here. um, You know, I think we've uh, aligned with uh, the forces that are actually going to work and they're going to make this sustainable in the absence of grant money. The last thing we want to become is a tick on the federal government.
0: Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And um, when it comes to, for example, like understanding the the, mo- the the model the sustainment model and how it's evolved um how how has it evolved when it comes to now incorporating like a cloud environment like before everything was on prem mm-hmm. 10 years ago everything was on prem um now as there's SaaS this and SaaS that how does that incorporate into uh, the way that alerts are looked at and handled um, from the program perspective.
1: Yeah, we've so uh, um, Homeland Security has supported a uh, a cloud deployment of the monitoring stack until they found out what it cost. Because when we're talking about moving this much data in and out of the cloud, th- those are astronomical numbers. Absolutely. And so we have deployed our stack, as I say, in the Washington State Academic Cyber Range, which is a great place. Uh, it's got plenty of room we can continue to expand there are notions that we will need to have cloud deployments that are very rapidly deployable Um, and you know that's just part of the evolution we we're certainly going to get there at some point uh, but the experiments that we've done up to this point just made it uh, prohibitively expensive to do that
0: I, yeah i can understand that i mean i'm I'm guessing that the the data ingest is going to be in the petabytes. Um, And so have you looked into it as you talk about the sustainability model and passing it on to the state? Have you looked into ways that you can uh, containerize this model or uh, script this model so it becomes infrastructure as a service? So as you pass it off to them, they then set it up in their own infrastructure so that... um, it's no longer in um, the University of Washington's Research Center, or will it keep that centralized model?
1: We're probably going to keep the centralized model because we want things to be consistently applied across all the Pisces chapters. For example, Colorado is going to be the next Pisces chapter. Um, And then there's a couple of states that have uh, excelled in a National Governors Association uh, proposal contest, I would guess you would call it, um, for an all of state cyber strategy right okay. which would include local governments mm-hmm. uh, so uh, as as we do that um, we you know we're, we're going to want uh, you know the same curriculum to be taught and uh, have a good networking relationship between all of the instructors that are teaching and all of the student classes so that mm-hmm. they can be talking to one another. Uh, so it's it's important that we do that part of it from a central point in terms of containerization and having rapidly deployable stacks. we got a bunch of engineers here at CI that work on this stuff, and that's exactly what they do. So when the time comes, if we need to deploy – and they've already – you know, they've developed the methodology already – when we need to deploy a stack into the cloud – uh, for a you know a school that wants to take you know maybe a community college that wants to take this on and there's nobody else in their state and you know there could be a circumstance where we would need to do that we are prepared to do that again though cost is just you know the limiting factor there
0: absolutely um we're gonna pivot back over to to champagne um champagne as you as you mentioned going through this course and you felt like it prepared you for for everything. I, I know you were really close with Mike throughout this process, but when it came to your application process, what um, was CI the only company you considered or did you go out and apply to other companies? What was that process like?
2: Um, so when I took my cybersecurity capstone class, the Pisces program, uh, I was also doing my inter- internship at the time. And I was also working a full-time job. So like this this 10 week quarter of my life, I was going from 5 a.m to midnight Monday wow. through Friday. Wow, right. And it was it was insane, right? And like before I even did this quarter, I was working two jobs. I was working at a coffee stand and I was a bartender, right? So it's like the people I would serve at midnight, I'd see the next day at 5 a.m, <laughs> right? It's like it was like I I'd, ha- I'd haggle people to come in like that I was like, I'll serve you your coffee in the morning they're like super <laughs> excited. But there was that time it was like, I was doing my internship. My internship was unpaid. Right. And it's like, I was driving 35 miles um, each way. So it's like, I was driving 70 miles a day, literally going to my internship, coming back. Like, and was, well, sorry, it wasn't unpaid. I got a stipend of 500 bucks every 100 hours. Um, so five bucks an hour. And so it's like, basically like just driving on this way like doing all this work and stuff like that and then coming home working on the Pisces project right doing my capstones and stuff like that and this was also at the time COVID had hit us hard right like we weren't in school like everything was online and it was like a lot of like self-motivating factors so um basically um Sorry, I got too lost in the backstory. Can you please repeat your question real quick?
0: So how how do you feel like the Pisces program prepared you for your next step, like looking for roles and what was that process like?
2: Yeah. So thank you for, uh, so during my internship, right, I applied for another hundred internships and jobs, right? And like I had 128 total job applications and stuff like that. And I remember every day of my internship, I'd go on to CI Security. I'd read the news brief that MKH puts out every single morning. Super great resource, by the way. Um, Shout that out. Um, And then I'd go into their work with us, right, section, right? And every day, like, I'd go through and look. And look, I'm just waiting to try and see a resident analyst position, right? And Mm -hmm. that's, like, the entry level. Because I knew that was where I was going to have my best shot at getting somewhere entry level while still in school, right? While Mm -hmm. just finishing up my degree. So CI wasn't my only choice, right? But it was my major choice, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, and even at the time, right, I got out of 128 job applications, I got three callbacks, right? Mm -hmm. One was from treetop, my internship. The other one was from Yakima chief hops for another internship. And then the third one was from critical insight. And like and that's what like it takes right it's like you need to start just knocking on doors and seeing who's going to answer and yakima chief hops offered me the internship it was another 10 week internship i would have did it through my spring quarter and i was and they called me back 30 minutes before my interview with critical insight and i went hey can i get a couple days to think on this and the lady was rude and went, no, um, you need to, ha- I need to have a decision right here, right now. And I went, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to turn this down. I have an interview in 30 minutes with something that's more in line with my goals and priorities, right? Because it was a software development internship that I somehow got, that I don't have a software development background. And um so I turned the lay down and then had the interview at with critical insight. And I remember just being so nervous. And then after the interview, I told my supervisor at my internship, he goes, well, hope you made the right decision and just walk off. (laughs) Like, luckily, (laughs) I made the right decision. Right. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, So, like, I'm super happy where I am. Right. And, like, critical insight was where I wanted to be. But I wasn't afraid to knock on other doors to see who was going to answer and try and get me where I needed to be. And I knew at Critical Insight, I had the room to grow, I had the room to learn, and most importantly, I had the room to fail. And that's what I wanted more than anything, is to be okay to fail and always have, like, learning moments and learning experiences. Because I'm fresh out of college, I don't know everything. I mean, I paid $40,000 to kind of know something, so (laughs) we're here.
0: Um, uh, MKH, when it comes to looking for individuals for that type of role... Mm -hmm. what, what what do you look for at the entry level cuz this is a question we get asked all the time like i'm looking to break into cybersecurity yeah. and it feels like everyone's asking for 3 to 5 years of experience
1: um what do you look for at that level so not us so you know so first of all what we look for is exactly everything champagne said that's it um you know i i you know i speak to students quite a bit and, you know, talk about the, you know, the jobs ecosystem and cyber and, you know, what what are the requirements for all these different roles and things like this. And one thing I tell them is, you know, today you can get your nice shiny new degree in cybersecurity from just about any school, but if you get your pedigree the way I got mine, you're going to go to prison, right? Because things are different now. But when I hear Champagne talk about, you know, my curiosity led me right up to the line that we value that, that curiosity, that willing to pull on a thread, find out where that goes, you know, that is actually one of, one of the better um, uh, uh, interview queries that we go down is how curious are you? Cause yeah, we know you got a degree and we know what that degree is worth. And you, having gone through the Pisces classes, you know, we know that you've actually been exposed to live fire and you understand, you know, the, <laughs> the, the gravity of, Of being able to interpret what you're seeing correctly because it has to do with you know your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So, you know what we value again, you know curiosity. Um, We don't care if you have done things that you know, frankly, are right up to the line of being illegal. Because I'll just be honest, I've done things that are frankly would today are illegal. Um, You know, we consider that to be a differentiator. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing I'll say too is. We also don't care where you live, because in today's world, and this is this is not because of COVID, but COVID forced our hand on this as a company. Um, You know, we understand, especially through the Pisces program, there are going to be schools all over the country that are that are teaching this. Um, You know, this is a this is a a snowball going downhill that's going to get bigger. But as we've talked to universities, everyone says the same thing. We want to graduate our students and we want them to stay in place. We want them to find jobs here in this community. Well, now we can facilitate that because the days of, you know, way back in the 20th century, here's our building. And if you live close enough to here, you can work here. That's out. Okay. Now we have access to a nationwide bench. We do this extremely well. We understand the controls that need to be applied in the working uh, uh, space of all of our analysts. We have auditors that examine all of this stuff. They're all good with it. Uh, our customers are good with it. And what that means is we have this incredible differentiator for the company. Our ability to attract and retain is unmatched. Um, and uh, I, you know, I'll say that, You know, our competitors that still have the building and are paying giant recruiting fees so that they can keep their folks around for 18 months before they hit the revolving door haven't figured this out yet. Um, And I'll say one more thing, Um, you know, part of the retention, part of the reasons that people want to come here and they like to stay here and work here is because we are very mission focused. We, We work very intentionally for organizations that are hard to work with hospitals, local governments, the stuff that counts, right? If I get another letter from a credit card company, I throw it in the trash. My credit's already being monitored for free 29 times. But if I call 911 because my kid quits breathing and it doesn't work, that's the worst day I'm ever going to have in my life. That's how we focus at the company. So that's a long answer to your very good question.
0: Thank you. Um, And when, when it comes to like, hands-on experience, um, skills, competencies. One of the questions from our audience members, um, do you look for like specific Linux experience in, in your junior level SOC type roles? Um, what do you look for?
1: Absolutely, because Linux going to give you the best set of tools to work with. You know, if you were good with Bash, right? And you can do some shell scripting and you're maybe good with some Python, you know, the things that are kind of native to the Linux experience, that's what you're going to be working with. You know the way that we have our analysts access customer data. Everybody's got a managed Windows laptop that they start with, and that when I say managed, I mean we're watching that thing like a hawk. We 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 monitor our company and we monitor the Pisces stack as if it was one of our customers. Um, that managed laptop can only uh, access a virtual desktop running in the cloud and that virtual desktop has st- strict access control to get to customer data. So we've got, you know, multiple authentication steps along the way and it's probably kind of a, you know, pain in the butt a little bit to get mm-hmm. authenticated and get in there, but that's, you know, that's how we roll. So, you know, I think we're I think we're doing a good job.
0: Love the Bastion Ho setup. up. Um, one of the other questions from, from Joshua is, what sort of technical questions would you ask uh, an entry-level SOC analyst? And may, maybe we'll flip this over to Champagne and see right. how his interview process was and the types of questions that he got asked straight from the source.
2: Um, I got asked uh, some great questions. Um, man, it's, it's just been a minute. <laughs> um <laughs> Basically, uh, to touch on that, right? They the type of technical questions they're asking you isn't like the horrid uh, developers interview that we've heard about. Like I've been seeing horror stories about, right? They don't put you in an environment where it's like, hey, do this without Google, right? Basically, the questions that they're typing to ask you is trying to see your what knowledge you have about cybersecurity and how serious you are about cybersecurity, right? It's like. Um, one of the questions I got asked, right, was like, what, in your opinion, what's one of the most important pieces of tech when it comes to cybersecurity? And um, I said IDSs, uh, intrusion detection systems, services that basically were able to detect intrusions, right, rather than immediately stopping it and kind of causing a bad experience for the user, right? And this is also coming from my internship experience because. I was working at a company that only monitored the traffic and stuff like that for 1,300 employees. Right. And so, if we're having like a malware or something happen to an employee that's trying to make a sale on Apple's, right. And now they can't do their simple meeting, they can't do any of their workshops, they can't do any of like what they're supposed to do to go ahead and make the company money. Right. Then we get in trouble. Right. And it's because. At the end of the day, what I was told in my internship, security doesn't make money, right? It's like we're the most underappreciated sector of the company because we get yelled at for when when nothing's going on. It's like, why are we paying you if nothing's going on? And as soon as everything hits the fan, they ask, why are we paying you? Because you didn't stop it when everything hit the fan. And so the type of technical questions right they ask you it's like do you have experience with linux right i feel like that's more of a broader question right because in my degree i had experience with linux right i had experience with kali linux and penetration tools and writing dictionary attacks man in the middle john the ripper like learning those type of stuff but i wasn't like at a linux box every single day right i wasn't command scripting like matter of fact when i first got in right and we, we had to connect to a collector i asked one of my coworkers, i'm like man how do i change my password on this linux because i didn't know the command on how to change my password and i was rocking a default password for like a week and they're like you need to change that and i was like all right perfect like someone tell me like the the like major thing is like having that technical curiosity right the ability to learn right because I'm going to be honest. Critical Insight does it really, really nice on their training and everything. They will train you how to do every single thing. Like you go through what, like 25 hours, 30 hours of uh, Udemy videos right before you even touch a ticket. Right. And then as soon as you're done with that, done with the courses and stuff like that, that's when you go in. Right. And then that's when you start looking at tickets. Right. They have you go through all these gates. Right. Where you're like, analyzing tickets you have to pull this different type of data explain what this is what kind of products we offer and so looking at like the technical questions in an interview their main thing at critical insight is what i'm going to speak to is more of your technical experience what are your opinions and how much are you able to actually bring to the job versus then Do you know the difference between uh, what's happening on port 80 and port 69, right? Like just knowing like all the different ports and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, that stuff's Googleable, right? We can look up this stuff. We can find the information, right? And we can find it quicker than some people can remember it. And so making sure that you have the analytical skills to identify a shell attempt, right? Identify a threat, identify a cross-site scripting exploit, right? Knowing and being able to find the information and be able to analyze what is a problem and what's normal traffic is more important than anything else that I was asked. Right. It's just okay. making sure that I have the ability to learn.
0: Okay. Um, MKH from, from your point of view, like what, what do you look for in the next generation? And you mentioned that 18 month revolving door of a junior talent coming in and leaving. And what do you do, to keep them engaged, keep them longer, keep them growing and developing?
1: Yeah, great question. So the, that 18-month revolving door, that's our competitors. That's not us. We, you know, like, we have this abnormal retention rate. And one of the reasons is, and you hit on it right there, Chris, um, making sure that we're providing career development paths that lead in a lot of different directions. Yes, you can come as an in as an analyst. And what Champagne said was exactly right. You come in as a resident analyst, you're given a number of gates to hit. It doesn't matter if you hit your gates in a week. As soon as you do, you're promoted to analyst, right? So we have very, very specific ways where you advance as an analyst to a lead analyst and you know to a supervisor or whatever. But because the company, right? Critical insight has managed and professional services, right? We're the company that you can pitch the whole security problem over the fence to and we know what to do. So we have this incredible consulting division. There are roles that, for example, build the hardware, the, the collectors that we ship out to our customers that Hoover up all the events, right? Send it to the SOC analysts. Um, We have to have communication people that are very nice people that are in communication with the customers when something is going wrong and we're helping them work through an incident. So we provide all those paths. We have one person in the company who's had five different roles and he's knocked them all out of the park. He's been an analyst. He's been a communications person. He's been a provisioning engineer. He's been a sales engineer. And now he's in a new role that we've created called security strategist. Um, We have one SOC analyst that was just absorbed into the consulting organization uh, because he learned penetration testing and passed his OSCP exam. And so, you know, that's what he wanted to do. That's what we're, that's what we want you to do. So, you know, I think really, you know, it's the mission focus, uh, the the fact that we don't force you to, you know, live near us uh, and the fact that we provide all these paths for your own career development. Um, And let me just say, too, you know, I mean, I'm one of these OG guys that knows everybody. And if what you want, you know, is to work with us for a while and then you feel like going into that, you know, uh, that chopper, uh, uh, you know, at Amazon or at Microsoft or someplace like that, where it's one of these really, really intense organizations that, you know, again, drives a dump truck full of money. I will help you get that job. Uh, I write really great letters of recommendation. And I think that's another thing, right? Everybody that works here knows the senior leadership of the company, we are in your corner. And even if that means you want to go over there and get that.
0: Perfect. And then when it comes to, for example, um, Project Pisces, working with the universities, keeping um, that talent locally in in those states, in those regions, how have you helped them work um, with Local companies to try to keep the talent there, uh, to keep the, the, the tax revenue there uh, for those
1: uh, universities. Well, I mean, it's it's in that we don't force them to move, right? When when somebody's going to school at a university, it's because they like being there. I mean, that's one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, setting aside that I went to USC in LA, that's that, that's an <laughs> outlier. Um, but and when when people get comfortable with the, you know their towns, you know they want to stay there. And if there is an opportunity to work remotely and make cyber analyst salary, you know, that's pretty attractive. You know, there are also the, the you know, the local businesses um, that are, are uh, not as at the table, I will say, as hiring uh, analysts. <laughs> um, and the reason is because it's an expensive proposition and it really does make more sense to hire a managed service for something like that. So, um, you know, we don't work as much with, you know, the, the local organizations that are near the schools where Pisces operates. Uh, but I will say that the larger organizations have discovered this. And so Champagne came from Central Washington University. And you were in a class, I believe, with Lexi, were you not?
2: Yes, I believe so.
1: Right. So Lexi just got hired by Rapid7, right? So, you know, the, the secret's out. You know, we are producing high-quality practitioners here. They are entry-level, but they uh, ascend immediately um, because we think we've cracked the code here on how to create the cream of the crop that the country needs.
0: We we have uh, Mr. Mike Jones uh, saying good afternoon, and then we have Mr. uh, Josh saying that he will be looking looking you up right after this um josh has been following the podcast uh looking to break into that type of role so uh he he was following this very closely um as we get close to the end i, I would um i must shift it over to Ryder one last time uh share some advice and then come back to you uh for for sharing some final advice and then wrap everything up um so Ryder, from from your experience uh coming through college Applying at 128 positions, finally ending up um, at at Critical Insight. um, What advice would you give to a student that is looking for that entry level uh, analyst type role uh, to share with them?
2: My advice is going to be more for the kids that didn't have a technical background, right? Like, it's like whether, like, what the circumstances were, right? Like, family couldn't afford computers. Like, I got my first computer through public school, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's like, Kind of like without – like I grew up without internet in-house in Seattle, right? And it was kind of weird. Um, But the main thing – main advice I have, get your certificates, right? I graduated college without certificates, and it's one of the biggest regrets that I have that right now I'm still working on getting my network plus, right? Like if you don't have a technical background, right – Look to see what you know and what you need to work on first, right? Because like I said, I took uh, an attack and defense class, right? I was given all the tools to the kingdom, but I didn't know how the kingdom worked, right? So I was like, yeah, I can break into this, but I didn't know why we were able to break into this, right? What protocols we were exploiting and what ports we were doing this over, right? I didn't understand why this stuff worked. Um, so right now I'm working on my network plus, right. I'm still trying to get my network plus, right. But it's that self-study mentality. But if you're able to do it while you're already in school without a lot of other distractions, it's going to be a lot easier, right. Get your network plus, get your security plus, right. And for me, I'm saving my security plus last because it's going to be the more fun one for me, because that's what I want to do, right. Um, look into, this is our coworker that got absorbed into, um, the consultant degree, Look into no starch press, right? They just had a sale. I picked this up, Black Hat Python, right? It's Python's one of the most powerful coding languages. And instead of you learning Python from a developer's perspective, you're learning it from a security role perspective, which is more in line, right? Like, I don't want to know how to make a program, right? Where I can basically say, hello world 50,000 times, right? I want a program where I'm able to script and make sure that I can like run exploits and stuff like that. Learn your virtual boxes. Learn how to make those work, right? Um, Learn, um, like, any type of, like, scripting that you can do. Because scripting is very, very easy, right? Whether you do it through PowerShell or Bash or Python, learn how to script. That's super, super important that I didn't know getting into this, right? And so it's, like, it's those type of things that are super, super helpful. Find free resources, Reddit, Twitter discord, right? Like there's so many different places where you can have, find mentors, you can find resources, right? I'm trying to look into getting into bug bounty programs, right? And that's just something just to super help me learn how exploits look in Wireshark, right? Because like Wireshark's in a controlled environment looks way different than when you're looking at live data. Let me tell you that. And so understanding those types of things are seems super, super simple right, and seem kind of like no-brainers is something that wasn't apparent to someone like me without a technical background. So get your certs. They may seem like a lot, but you can get them on afterpay for 30 bucks a week for a year. Um, you can even use some of your extra student loan money to pay for a certificate. You get a year to do it. Wait for Black Friday because Black Friday will get you like 200, 300 bucks off and just do the damn thing. Like, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would I would add to that. I mean, a lot of the cert providers they have programs for um, for diverse groups, for underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. So take advantage of those um, when when you can. Um, Mkh, from tr- from your perspective, like what one one piece of advice would you give for uh, someone looking to to break into cybersecurity from the next generation? Um, no particular field or uh, specialization, but just anything?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, there's an ecosystem of roles. If you want to be, so the two roles that are being hired the most right now are number one, analysts. If you want to be an analyst, you really do need to know a lot about networking because you're going to be looking at, you know, packet dumps. You're going to be, so like, you know, if I walk into a classroom and it's got a bunch of students in there and I say, port 53 UDP protocol, y'all better say DNS back to me right so you need to, you know uh, the knowledge of what port runs what service and then kind of how all this stuff is fitting together um you know and not not at a very deep level but you need some familiarity with ports protocols and things like that secondarily and more importantly I would say because we value curiosity, we value people who are self starters, things like that, have a home network and experiment with it, you know, deploy these things on your network as champagne is talking about, you know, get your virtual boxes working. yeah, do that, do that at home. Um, If you don't have the kind of resources uh, for stuff like that, you know. Uh, maybe your school has provided, you know, a, a, a range, a cyber range or something like that. They're, you know, they're likely someplace where you can get some stuff to beat on for a while, but beat on stuff for real. You know, uh, if your school's got a place where you can safely, you know, practice breaking into computers, that's a real good activity to engage in. All right. So that's analyst, right? Those are the, that's more of the technical side. Maybe that's mm. getting into you know, things like penetration tester, offensive security, Penetration testers are not hired to that level. um You know, that's the kind of sexy thing everybody th- thinks they want to be. You know, I want to be a break in artist, you know, mm-hmm. offensive security. No, the requirement is every organization has to conduct a penetration test once a year, right? Would you hire a plumber to be on staff? No, right? Why? Because the drain clogs once a year. So, you know, penetration testers are not scooped up that much, although there are very specialty organizations that do. The other one, aside from analyst, is auditor. An auditor needs different skill sets. That's the kind of person that uh, ends up as a consultant and you assess organizations against standards of practice and regulatory frameworks and things like that. Here's how it works. And I'm really sugarcoating this. You show up, you got a big checklist, says here you have to have firewall. Do you have a firewall? Can you prove that? Okay, check. That's how auditors work. Um, But one of the key skill sets there is not so much, yes, you need to have a knowledge of how the regulatory requirements, you know, are applied to the organization you're assessing. You need to be a writer and a communicator. Because when you're sitting across the table from someone, they need to think you're the smartest person in the room. And how you communicate has everything to do with that. Uh, The output of everything you do will be a written report. So you need to be a writer and you need to get good at that. So that's the advice I would give is if you're if you're looking at more of a technical role, you want to experiment at home and you want to essentially memorize the contents of Etsy services. And if that didn't mean anything to you, you might want to go to the non-technical side where you become uh uh, uh fluent in standards of practice all the things that uh, organizations have to do if take credit cards payment card industry data security standard health records it's HIPAA you know there are lots of these things they all look alike but the process of going through this assessment this audit you know that's a di- that's a whole different set of skill sets so that's what I'll say
0: well, Thank you both so much uh, for this special edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Uh, for those watching live on LinkedIn, make sure you follow all of us here today. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us on YouTube, uh, make sure you hit subscribe, hit that notification button. And for those of you listening on podcasts after the fact, uh, don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends and family, um, share Project Pisces with your local community, that way we can have it spread to more states, more local governments, and have this uh, this project scale, because I really see the value in this. So um, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today.